and welcome to the We Will Nomad podcast. I'm Lisa. And I'm Andre. And together, we will nomad. In this episode number 51, we're going to be talking about Malaysian food and, of course, desserts. So the question is, what do you think of when you hear Malaysian food? Well, what I think about today is very different from what I thought about before. I think first thing to say is that Malaysian food is not a simple cuisine. It's not a simple food, but we'll get to that in a second. So welcome to our episode. Thank you. And hello, Lisa. And if you leave us a review or a rating on any of your favorite podcast listings, please, you can send us a screenshot to wewillnomadpod at gmail.com with a question, and we will answer your question on our next episode. I will put this in the show notes as well. So let's quickly get to what is Malaysian food. Well, I'll tell you one thing, is that over the years, we've spent now more than six months all over Malaysia. And in that time, my opinion of Malaysian cuisine has definitely changed quite a lot. In the beginning, the first time we were there in 2014, I think it was, I ended up eating only one thing, and that was plain rooties, because I was scared that everything else was too spicy. For some reason, everything we ate was burning. It was. It was really spicy. I think my tolerance was a lot lower as well, but we somehow picked all the spicy dishes. I think at that stage, we didn't really appreciate the diversity of the flavors of the food. We didn't necessarily understand the you know, combination of the Chinese and the Middle Eastern and the sort of Indian the traditional influences. Indian influence in the food. And we sort of generalized a lot. And for some reason, we actually mostly tried Indian style food. And I, 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 we were just like a little bit overwhelmed by it, I think. Uh-huh. And the other thing is, I remember when we were there the first time, it was very hot. It was. Okay, oh, it's always Everything, hot. I know, we it's were sweating hot. before we ate the spicy it's dishes and then just yes. sweating more yeah. after that. And but the difference is that in 2019, we were almost looking for some of those spicy dishes even and just realizing that there were so many flavorful dishes that weren't just spicy. They were just so uniquely flavorful. Yeah, exactly. I think one thing to remember is that Malaysia is diverse not only in geography but also in culture and history. And, you know, just because you find all these different food types in one area doesn't mean it's available everywhere. Yes, that's, absolutely. That's Malaysia is such a big place that sure. there'll be a dish which you enjoy and then you go to the other side of Malaysia and you can't find it, correct, literally. Correct. Yeah, we went to... Uh, okay, well, let, before, we, before we dive into that, let's just quickly talk about what, what we're going to talk about. So, you know, we're going to talk about Malaysian food. We're going to touch a little bit about the history. Now, the one word in Malaysia you'll hear frequently, this makan. Makan is eat or feed or take. And it doesn't matter what time of the year it is, Malaysians will always be thinking of food and will always be eating. And no matter what time of the day it is, you will see food everywhere. One thing I love about Malaysia. Uh, Except for obviously Ramadan, it's a little different. But then it's a very, very different approach to food and it's almost more of a celebration. I was going to say, it's just a different time of the day, but it's still that feasting and celebratory. Exactly. So let's quickly look at the history and the origin of this complex food that we call Malaysia cuisine, and then maybe what to eat. And if you'd like to see the pictures, because let's be honest, oh. the <laughs> appearance of food is half of the taste and the whole food experience. So if you want to see some pictures, head over to our website and check out our articles on Malaysian cuisine. The links will be in the show notes. And then, of course, even better than pictures, is watching us eat Malaysian desserts. When we were in Penang, we visited a night market and tried as many Malaysian sweets and desserts as we possibly could. 
So if you're keen to check that out, head over to our YouTube channel and enjoy watching us enjoy the sweets of Malaysia. Yeah, we'll do a blog post on this podcast as well. We'll link to that in the show notes with links to the video so you guys can check it out. But the thing is, we spent quite a lot of time in Malaysia and did a lot of YouTube videos. Yes. And almost in every video we ate We're always eating. But yes, yeah, not all the videos was only on food and fitness. But there were, there were a few videos where we sort of focused a little bit on the different food. Specifically, Night the markets. one you mentioned was gorging on desserts. <laughs> And yes, be warned, um, uh, Malaysian desserts can, can catch you by surprise. Okay, but before we get to the n wonderful variety of desserts, tell us a little bit about the history of Malaysian cuisine. So traditional cuisine in Malaysia is very diverse and probably due to its cultural heritage. And you will, like I said earlier, you will find Malay, Chinese, Indonesian, Indian, Bornean, uh, with strong influence from even Thai, Portuguese, Dutch. Uh, let's not forget, there's, there's a huge uh, convergence of these different cultures there in Malaysia. I mean, we're actually sitting in South Africa at the moment, and even in South Africa, there's a spin-off type of Malaysian food, mm. very well known, due to what we call the Cape Malay influence. I think I'll touch on that in a second. So this, this combination of different food types have really resulted in an amazing symphony of flavors. And although you still find distinction between these different food types, there's a, a very much regional flavor to all of them. And obviously, depending on where you are in uh, Malaysia, like for example, we were in Langkawi, and we couldn't find really good Indian Malay No, food, and we actually spoke to the people there and they said yes. that you just don't find that in no, Langkawi. You have to go other places in Malaysia to get the Indian more cuisine. There's Malay, more Chinese Malay food in Langkawi, for example. So, or more Thai influenced. So, very much depends where you, where you are. And then we went to, uh, was it Borneo again? And there was like lovely Indian influence of but food. But less spicy there as yes. well. It wasn't yes. as spicy yeah. and as varied. And of course, then there's Penang, which is very often referred to as the foodie capital of Malaysia. <laughs> and wow, Penang no really does have some specialities yeah. and a very different flavor. For uh, sure. I have to say, I was pretty glad that we spent a month in Penang because even in that month's time, we didn't get to taste all the dishes and they were really incredible. No, and it was interesting to experience sort of the, the differences. Mm. Remember, we had like Malaysian curries and then suddenly you have an Indian style curry. It was so different. It was so different. I think one thing to keep in mind is the main characteristic of traditional Malay cuisine is the a generous use of spices. You know, coconut milk is an important part and it gives the dishes a very rich and creamy character. And obviously the all ubiquitous balakan, which is a prawn paste, it's used as a base for sambal. And it, it can be a bit um, hectic to the uninitiated. So it's like a, the sambal is a sauce or condiment, I guess, made of this uh, prawn paste, chili peppers, onion and garlic. And you will find um, no lack of that around. And I mean, the one thing that's really nice is that when you mention spices, it's very different from perhaps what one's initial idea is of spicy. Because yes, there's a difference. Yes, it's yes. not just spicy like we experienced the first time. There's so many different spices and their intensity and their flavor varies depending on which region you're in. Definitely. And I think when one looks at, for example, Malaysian Chinese food, you know, it's a very different use of flavors. Mm. Like, and more on the Malay side, there's a plentiful use of stuff like lemongrass and galangal. And that's one of the things we actually learned in our first visit to Malaysia is the interpretation of hot and spicy. Oh, yes. It was very different. There's a different. If you ask someone if it's spicy, they don't really understand what you mean. Even hot. Hot is different. You know, so one's going to be very wary of 
how you I, I remember asking and saying for me because I didn't really like chili I didn't like hot mm. spicy things so I would say to them no spicy no yeah. spicy and remember then we would get our two dishes which were the same dish except mine was supposed to be no spicy and, even more hot. and what they'd done is they'd removed all the spices and added additional chili, chili for yeah. some sort of flavor it took us a few <laughs> dishes to realize that saying no spicy no. is not the right way to go no. you have to say no chili Yes. Um, because spices are very different and that's Pretty what you want. You want the spices because you want the flavor, not just the heat. I think it's a problem in a way because if you don't know exactly what the flavor profile should be and if you try, say, a dish once, it could really be hot mm. and you might be put, put off, off it. Yep. And maybe that's not the real dish. Mm. I think we found quite a few of those where like, you go to this vendor and they make a mean... What is it? Char like a chocolate or yes. Oh my god! And it burns <laughs> of the throat and the skin of your um, palate off. But the next guy makes a beautiful one. So it very much depends. Best is not just to ask around. But I just want to get back quickly to the different food types. So Malaysian Indian food, typically, and I think it's important to make this distinction. Although there's this confluence of uh, flavors and, and cultural history, it is quite. Um, they are semi-distinct it, it categories. It is distinct, but it's an adaptation of the authentic mm. dishes from India. So you will, you know, typical Malaysian Indian dish is likely to be more fragrant with curry leaves and powdered spices and will also contain fresh coconuts. I think a lot of the sweeter dishes also is more from the Indian origin, mm. as far as I know. Then again, you get the Malaysian Chinese cuisine, which is derived from the traditions of the Chinese Malaysian immigrants. And, and it's quite a popular um, food, actually, in all over Malaysia. And they're a lot less spicy or heated. Well, um, the big difference is they, use, they do use chili. And obviously, many Chinese dishes have pork as a component. Mm. And yeah, but you know, also chicken is available as a substitution for uh, Muslim uh, customers. And they are some Chinese restaurants that's vegetarian or even halal certified but generally the characteristics are very Malaysian although Chinese in origin mm. but let me let me first uh, touch on the South African side of Malaysian cuisine Malay cuisine spread outside of Malaysia and influenced other cuisines and countries and one of them being South Africa and there's actually what we call pretty much an authentic and some might even say unique. a unique most definitely unique to South Africa that has Cape Malay origins and some might actually call it the national dish of South Africa yeah I know that's a that's a big claim and it's called Boboti Boboti <laughs> we don't pronounce it like that but that's how it's said it consists of spiced minced meat and it's baked with like an egg-based topping, almost like an it's eggy, eggy custard. custard. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's not my favorite dish. And speaking of favorites, if you can find a local that doesn't love nasi lemak, then you have discovered a real rarity in Malaysia. Nasi lemak is probably considered as Malaysia's national dish and it's a staple breakfast for many people. Normally include uh, rice, steamed coconut milk and pandan leaves served up with roasted peanuts, cucumber, hot milk or fried egg, and of course, the deep fried ikan balis and shobis. I think what makes it quite special is that because it's served with rice, obviously nasi is rice, is that the rice isn't just ordinary rice. No. It's cooked in coconut milk. Yes. And that's what makes it maybe, to me, slightly breakfasty because the rice itself has it's this like coconut creamy flavor. Yeah. And that's pretty good for breakfast, actually. No, but you still have to be quite... Uh, can I say brave from a Western's perspective to eat like a sambal for breakfast. Oh, yes. Yeah. But it's good. And normally it's served with um, some hard boiled eggs and some 
deep-fried uh, anchovies and, uh, of course, the roasted peanuts and a bit of sambal. But so it's a good start to if the you're day. at a place and you did order your nasi lemak for breakfast and it doesn't quite hit your Western palate, mm -hmm. you can always default to some kaya toast, oh. which is very different. <laughs> kaya is a very sweet coconut custard yeah. jam, which is served for breakfast, spread on toast. Hopefully it's buttered it's toast. It's very popular. And it's very, it's sort of, I would say, equates to the American peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. That's how common and typical and good it is. Just that warm feeling in the mouth and feeling good. And fire toast will satisfy most people for breakfast. And you can forget the amazing Rutik and I, a very popular breakfast style dish, I guess, all over Malaysia. It's not just Malaysian. I mean, it's gosh, you find it all over Southeast Asia. And it's also one of those ones that you don't initially as a Westerner think of as a breakfast food, mm. but I must say that really grew on me. It's very popular. You see a lot of people sitting on small little you know, sidewalk cafes and just ordering a rutik and it's like, and a lot of places actually just give in the morning. Yes, you can, can't get it after like yeah. about 11 a.m. Yeah. And rutik and is really only the, the flatbread, but the way they serve it is worth a doll, which is like a um, split pulse, uh, split uh, pulses, like a vegetables type. Yeah, like lentil lentils, yeah. type doll. And then obviously some sort of a curry. Um, in the mornings it's mostly a very, very light curry or just a curry sauce actually. And it's it's nice just to get uh, with a nice tetarik on the side. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just that going. freshness of the rooty and yeah, you can amazing. mix the two sauces, the dal and the more spicy curry sauce together to give it as much spice or bite as you want, as yeah. you feel like. And then the combination of that with the warm and mildness of the tetarik. It's, it's a it's strange combination, but combination. it works for sure. Now, I think we should just quickly touch on like characteristics and of you know, what would be Malaysian food. Before you do that, yeah. can you tell us a little bit more about the tetarek? Because that's also very much why we're on breakfast foods. Well, is that the tetarek is something that is very unique to Malaysia. Literally it's pulled, pulled tea. tea. It's a tetarek. Tarek means pulled and te, te is tea. And it's a, a milk beverage, hot, it's not very cold. Uh, commonly found in restaurants, even in like uh, outdoor stalls and coffee dumps or whatever. And the idea is that it's, it's quite a skill actually. They make, make a tea and they pour it from great height into <laughs> another container that creates this foaminess in the tea. So it creates like this kind of an aerated, aerated milky version tea. of milky tea. Mm. Yes. And, and it is Malaysia, so it's, it can be sweetened, but you also get unsweetened versions. It's very, very popular. Uh, and you can drink it any time of the day. Yeah, because remember, Malaysia is predominantly Muslim, and you know, it's, like, it's not like, what are you going to have? A great non-alcoholic beverage. Yeah, so either you have coffee or you mm. have non-alcoholic tea. Tea is a very popular thing. <laughs> okay, so let's just uh, wrap it up on what you can expect of Malay food, generally. It's going to be rich in herbs and spices. It's going to have coconut milk, probably. Definitely. <laughs> it might be spicy. Most likely. Probably more than you think. <laughs> the meat will be usually served with a thickish gravy. And if you have fried fish and seafood, there'll be turmeric powder. So that's sort of like more the Malay vibe of it. And almost every Malay dish will be served with rice. Rice is sort of a staple. And as it is in most other Asian cultures. And although there are various types of dishes in a Malay meal... All are served at once. <laughs> so it's not served in courses. And obviously you, you will eat. have lots of plates on the table <laughs> yes. at the same time and you will be able to eat from all of them and together. And you can just keep asking for more. Absolutely. But normally everything is just served at once and you will, you'll go crazy. Food is eaten with the fingers of the right hand, uh, traditionally. 
and Malays rarely use utensils. But it's not it's not a problem if you prefer to use utensils. Knives are not that common. No. But spoons, spoons and forks are fairly easily are available. Easy. Yeah. All right. So there are some very typical known dishes, and I think broadly, if you think about things like rendang, laksa, satay. Nasi ulam, those are the popular dishes. Maybe we can talk a bit, a bit about the, the more popular and well-known dishes, and maybe we can touch on the ones we we really liked, you know. And I think you you'll probably go far to to pass a stall that burns fish. <laughs> Ikan bakar literally means burnt. roasted fish or burnt fish, depending on you ask. And frankly, it's not really my style. Not our favorite, but and if you like fish, yeah. it's very popular and, and uh, found yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it's cooking on charcoal fire. Ikan bakar is something you find. And and this is also very much a Malaysian style. I think we're going to try and sort of distinguish between Malay, Indian Malay, and Chinese Chinese Malaysian, maybe if that makes sense. I think the ones that stood out for me, obviously we touched on nasi lemak, which is very popular. And then you'll find maybe Chinese-inspired noodle dishes like ayam goreng. Is chicken noodles? Yes. (laughs) Unless you haven't figured it out, goreng means noodles. And ayam is chicken. chicken. And then also there's different versions of this. So they'll make um, like bihun goreng. It's like a vermicelli style noodle. And the other one that's very popular and quite a favorite is rendang. Now, rendang is known the world over, actually. And it's it can be made with beef, chicken or duck. And it's flavored with galangal, ginger, garlic and chili. And they're normally served with um, rice. <laughs> well, the one thing that I want to mention is also that both rice and noodles are very common mm-hmm. in the meals. However, they actually differ. It's not just rice and noodles. So as you mentioned, the two different types of noodles, you get a flat noodle, you get a fat round yellow noodle, yes. you get the thin vermicelli noodle. And changing the noodle in a similar dish actually makes quite a big difference to its flavor and taste profile. We saw that a lot more with the Chinese influenced dishes, yes. like different types of noodles, and in the way they actually prepare the noodles, some of the noodles just, I think, lends itself better to the sauces to stick to the, mm. the noodle itself. And I think those dishes that they make of a really high heat also works better with the flatter noodles. Yeah, so the preparation correctly. of the both yeah. type of noodle, um, the shape, what it's made of, and then the preparation of the noodle, whether it's added to just a boiling soup or whether it's actually fried up at a high heat, that yes, makes quite yeah, a big exactly. difference to the overall dish. And I think we'll touch a little bit on more market-style foods, but all of these dishes you can find in local restaurants, food stalls, food markets. It's it's pretty much food everybody eats all the time. Yeah, it's actually quite impressive, or I don't know, I think it's in a way unique that you find the same dish in a, served in a paper plate from a market next to the side of the road or from a little stall, mm-hmm. as you will in a five-star restaurant. You I can get the same dish. You might get other things in the five-star restaurant too. Well, but I think ironically, and I might uh, be open to persuasion on this, you'll find a more consistent level of quality yes. to that guy who makes the same dish over Absolutely. and over and over. Like you can go to food courts or food stalls or whatever they call these areas, and there literally will be a couple, and they've been making the same single dish for 20 years. Yes, and That's they have absolutely they got it perfected. They've got the right ingredients, they've got the right technique, they people, make the best of that dish. And people line up 
yeah. just to get that specific dish from them. So I don't think we need to look down at on, on food courts and food. No, uh, I think they've got superior quality, actually. It could potentially be. In I mean, terms frankly, of flavor, for sure. If you guys have listened to our podcast before and uh, checked out our website, then you'll know we're not uh, what we call luxury travelers. No. <laughs> we do prefer to you know keep it local and try and explore local vibes. And a big part of that is, is exploring the food. Absolutely. And one way to do that is to... You know, go to food markets and food courts and eat where the locals eat and try street food. You know, yeah, I think that's one of the nicest things about Malaysia. The quality of food is just incredible. And speaking of street food, one thing you can't come to Malaysia and not try is satay. satay. Oh, yes. No, satay, <laughs> also a very safe dish to try in much, terms of flavor much. profile. Yeah, I think. It's, a, it's, a, it's just a snack really, but... It's a great default. It's a great default. It's skewered meat grilled over fire and served with spicy peanut flavored sauce. And we've literally eaten Gosh, I don't know how many of sticks these. of satay. Yeah. And you can make a whole meal of it if you want. I mean, what we did in Langkawi, you go to the night market and you get a whole bag of little sticks with sauce. And then we just get some uh, stir-fried noodles or something. Or you get some flatbread or something. It's just amazing. And what's great is that you can eat it while you're walking around. If mm. you're walking along the street or you go to the beach and want to have it there. Or you can take it home or eat it on a plate and nice and sophisticated, like you say, with your noodles. Yeah, this is like this, especially if you buy it at a, a market. Normally, they're so cheap, you have to buy... Ten. Yeah, ten sticks. <laughs> ten sticks. I think that's a minimum order. But if I remember, what so was cheap. it like? Langkawi was spectacularly cheap, if I remember correctly, with regards to market food. You could buy literally a dish of noodles for what, three ringgit, remember? And you could buy ten sticks of chicken satay for ten ringgit. Remember? It was really cheap. It was it was really incredibly cheap. Um, so. You don't really have to spend a lot of money, uh, especially if, you, if you're at the right markets and you can shop around. If places are in more touristed areas, I'm thinking now like in Penang, there's this more popular food court A little bit more areas. expensive. Yeah, you have to go find the places where there's you know, less touristed but even there, it's still very affordable by all standards. Exactly. And then the other thing in terms of being not a single dish is I mentioned rice where you get your ordinary rice, which would just be a very plain rice in calming down a spicy dish. You can get your coconut flavored rice or rice that's cooked in coconut. You get sticky rice, of course, when it comes Ooh, to desserts. Don't forget that. Let's not talk about the sticky rice. <laughs> and then of course you get blue rice because who would want to be boring and only have white rice? So the dish with blue rice is called Masi Kerabu. And that's a very typical dish. And I was quite surprised actually as to the flavor of this rice. So the blueness of the rice comes from the talang flowers that it's actually colored and flavored with. And that's the butterfly pea flower. That's right. That's right. But you also get this rice in desserts. Yes, you do. Oh. <laughs> and I must say, that dish was also very nice in terms of its flavor and the fact that rice isn't a single dish. Mm. Rice has all these varieties and adds to a dish in so many different ways. What made that nasi kerabu? Okay, guys, you got to excuse our butchering of the pronunciation. We've been called out on this before, but we, we I think we make up for it enthusiasm, so <laughs> you can't always get it right. But that nasi kerabu is an attractive dish. Yes, it's beautiful. You know, it's, it's, it's served with crackers and like pickles and salads, and sometimes there's fried chicken in there or some dried fish, and it's really an attractive-looking dish. And even the dessert, it's sort of, uh, I know, I'm not a big ricey, cakey guy, but I remember they, they cut it open and they put that, what was that? Kaya thing? in the middle. It so kaya? it was actually, it's mm. a combination. They use both a sticky white rice and the sticky blue rice. Uh, okay. And they make a sandwich of it. And 
so you have this blue and white marbled rice, top and bottom, yeah. and it's filled with a kaya jam, which gives it this absolute sweetness. Mm, that was good. And that was pretty yeah. tasty. Yeah, you guys, you go watch you the video. Go, yes, the video go and see did. us eating blue rice and kaya. <laughs> let's let's jump into Lisa's favorite part of Malaysian food, and that is Malay Indian food. The food that scared me in 2014, <laughs> and the food that I went in search of in 2019. Yeah. Oh man, I tell you, I have always enjoyed a good butter chicken curry, and you that have? might be. Yes, not a very spicy one, but I like a butter chicken curry, perhaps because it's the least spicy of Indian curries. It can maybe. be mild. It yeah, can be. And can I think it's also quite well known worldwide, butter chicken. But what I learned to appreciate this time was the Kadai chicken, mm. which is a different type of chicken where it's, it's a lot more tomatoey. Oh. Yes, it's also a very mildly spicy chicken dish, mm. Indian Malay chicken dish. And it's got this very rich, deep tomato flavor and I, I know. that was I did, absolutely this is a, incredible. This is a dish we didn't know actually. No. Yeah. Lisa will always default for the butter chicken but butter chicken can be a hit and miss and look let's be honest you can get really good butter chicken oh, yes. but there's a nice richness of flavors but we found this one little offbeat place in Kuala Lumpur and we actually went back there oh, yes. twice. because you ordered the Kadai chicken the first time yes. I had to order it Just for myself. Just to get that Kadai chicken <laughs> again it was so good so you guys gotta go keep an eye open for Kadai chicken it's really a, a beauty and in my opinion I mean this is not a, it's not a super spicy dish it's just very no. flavorful. Very flavorful very tasty dish. Then as you can imagine, the other well-known dish is this tandoori chicken. This is something you find all over, but tandoori chicken is the is the marinated ch in yogurt and spices, and it's actually cooked in that big clay oven in which they normally cook the naan bread. And then also dishes that originated in the Indian subcontinent would be something like korma, which will be meat or vegetables braised with yogurt and spices to produce a thick sauce of gravy. And I think I want to mention another one, which I didn't know either until we were there last time. It's called Royak. I'd, uh, yes, do you remember? We, we used to walk, walk we uh, in the food markets. We were walking parties and people had these tables with these big, like, look like a, a tray of salad. <laughs> yes. But it, it was covered so in a strange sauce. because it was covered in weird sauce. So we had to look into this. And Mamak Royak, actually, is a salad consisting of shredded cucumber, potatoes, bean curd, turnip, bean sprouts, prawn fritters, <laughs> spicy fried cab, fried octopus or other seafood, and served with a sweet and spicy nut sauce. And it becomes this big, saucy mess pile. <laughs> and every, it's so strange. It's so strange. But it, may, it sort of makes sense. And uh, in Penang, we saw that a lot. Yes, it's one of those things you just have to try. You can't yeah. really imagine it. And it's definitely not to everybody's flavor or taste profile. No, no. The other one I... I remember it's more to your liking is the murtabak. We always have the oh, yes. the argument about murtabak. Um, because I remember the first time we went to Malaysia, Malaysia, you had very good experience with murtabak. And a murtabak is pretty much a savory stuffed roti. And what they do is they put some, yeah, you can put anything in there. You can literally just put garlic in there if you want. And you fold it over like The with folding an process is yeah. really what makes it but into they, they that murtabak. They break an omelette in, yes, uh, the, in, the, in the wok and then like make it into an omelette, like an egg inside. And then you fold the roti with the egg. So it creates like this little parcel almost. And eh? you can also have different fillings and different variations yes. inside of it. So you could have one with chicken or with some other meat or just plain vegetarian. I, I know it's more Indonesian, but there's one called Martabok Manis. And I, I think that's a different, that is Indonesian. That's term. Indonesian, yes. But that, that's a sweet version of Martabok. And you get, uh, it's more like a dessert and it can really be delicious. 
and dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> but we've we've spoken about the other ones like naan and rutis and ruti kanai and that sort of touches on majority of the Indian food, I would say. There's one more Indian dish that I think we need to mention here, yeah. and that is ruti cobra. Oh gosh. Okay, Which but, is not what it sounds like. <laughs> no, no, but y- y- yes. Oh, okay, this is a weird one. This is a weird one. It's also only found in very small areas of Malaysia. It's a strong Indian influence. I, I don't think it exists outside of uh, Kota Kinabalu, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> so Kota Kinabalu is in Malaysian Borneo. That's right. And then we came across this dish, which we absolutely loved, which is a roti served with pieces of chicken. Cobra. And <laughs> no cobra. <laughs> and a wonderfully soft fried egg. Oh, super soft egg. And the richness and of the, the egg yolk sauce. just mixes with the curry sauce and this chicken. And it's absolutely so delicious and such a filling meal. Oh, it's great value as well. So I, I, we didn't know about this dish. It was the first day we were in Kutakinabalu and we were in this Indian place. And I said, what is a Ruti Cobra? That sounds strange. We couldn't figure it out. So I said, let's, let's try, try it. One. And it was so good. It's effectively just a really tasty curry, you know, with a with a fried egg. and a fried egg. And it's just so good. And then I looked into this whole Ruti Cobra thing and there was very little information Information because it's available. such a specialized dish. And apparently someone started calling this dish Ruti Cobra just to be different. <laughs> and it caught on and people loved it. And then a few copycats started springing up. But the way I understand it, you actually only get this dish in Kota Kinabalu by that name. So if you happen to be in Malaysia and you do see Ruti Cobra, give it a try. Yeah, highly recommend it. And I want to say there's one of our Kota Kinabalu videos where we're actually eating a Ruti oh, yes. Cobra. So if you guys can go scratch on our Malaysia playlist in our YouTube channel and... <laughs> you, oh, and we actually had the Kota Kinabalu Night Market. Yes. We're tasting quite a few, a lot uh, of amongst other things. Sweets. Oh, chicken butts. Chicken butts. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm you not, can choose. You I'm can either have Ruta Cobra or some chicken butts. I'm not sure chicken butts is the technical term for that. Uh, I think Kota Kinabalu actually has a whole cuisine of its own. Mm. There's a lot of specialities to Kota Kinabalu that are not just overall Malaysian. So if yeah. you want to see a little bit more of that, head over to our YouTube channel and look at our night market video in Kota Kinabalu. Yeah, we really enjoy Kota Kinabalu, by the way, because it's a wonderful destination. All right, we, let's move on to the third yeah, yeah, style Chinese, of Chinese Malaysian, Malay food. Chinese Malay. And I think this is where you've definitely found one of your favorites. Are oh, you going to be able to pronounce this one? Oh, gosh, maybe you should go for it. So Chinese, One of us is going to make Chinese a fool Malay. of ourselves. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, overlap here, so I'm not going to even try and mention most of the popular Chinese, but there's a few that we found, and obviously the, the most famous one is chicken rice. Chicken rice is found all over Malaysia and it's one of the most popular Chinese-inspired dishes. And specifically Hainanese chicken rice, the best known version. We found a couple of interesting variations, like what they call uh, the clay pot, pot, clay pot chicken. chicken. Whoa, wow, that was, amazing. You loved that one. Yeah, they take little clay pots and everything gets cooked inside the pot with the rice and the chicken in a little oven. And they dish it out of the pot into a plate for you. It's just the, the flavors that, that charcoal gives to the food is just incredible. I have to say, I think this can be said of most Malaysian food, actually. It's the process of mm. the preparation of food that makes it so special. All these different curries and stews and things that we've been talking about, it's the fact that they don't cook them in a hurry. 
Everything no. that's been cooked in, yeah. whether it's coconut or yogurt or it, whatever that mix of herbs and spices mm. is, they've taken the time so that the flavors are infused into the all parts of that meal. No, it's true. This is not the kind of food you cook quickly. And it, it shows. You can taste it for sure. Now, the, the other Chinese dish that we also really enjoyed, but it did tend to be a bit spicy, depending on where you go, was one called Char Kwai Tio. And that is very famous specifically in Penang. Yeah, so Kwai Tio is noodles really and char is just stir-fried noodles cooked <laughs> over very very high heat yes there's a video of a night market in Langkawi where we watched the guy cook char kwai tio in the authentic style and the heat is just f- incredible they use so normally it's very simple it's the fried rice noodles with bean sprouts and some prawns and then other duck or chicken eggs, some, and, um, some maybe some sausage in there. Yeah, and the duck egg, if you choose to have that as opposed to the chicken egg, really adds an additional layer of richness yeah, to the dish sure. and makes it really tasty. It's a super popular fast food store, food mm. vendor food, and we had plenty of char. I think we definitely did. <laughs> Eventually we managed to figure out how to pronounce it properly. The other thing that I found from the Chinese influence, which I quite enjoyed, is the popia. Popia. And this has also got a bit of a Hainanese influence in it. And it's sort of a soft style of a spring roll. So it's more of a crepe that's used mm. to make the spring roll, filled up with shredded tofu, vegetables, um, sliced and shredded turnip and carrots. And that was really nice. You got different versions of it. One where it's the soft crepe, mm. and then also the more Hainanese one, which is the deep fried version of it. We find that all over Penang, actually. And I must say, that was quite a nice favorite of mine. Maybe also because it does not have a spice to it at all. You'll usually get it with a little bit of a spicy dipping sauce. That's right. But other than that, it's a very tasty, ever so slightly sweet vegetarian snack, I would say. I think one thing to remember is that the Chinese, it's not that it's not spicy, it's just seasoned differently. It'll be maybe more chilies than spices in the Chinese food. So you do get dishes that's really not that spicy at all. There's no chilies in there. Yep. That's the Chinese vibe. Also, of course, the Chinese dumplings, which you find quite often filled with yes. some seafood, things like that. There's a very interesting Chinese influence in Malaysia. Yeah, I must say. I think it sort of wraps up most of the main dishes that we sort of enjoyed and can comment on. That depains on what you term as main. To oh, me, yeah. mains is dessert. <laughs> so let's move on to dessert. Dangerous territory. Dangerous I territory. tell you, I had no idea that the Malaysians were so fond of their sweet things. In fact, they love it so much, they have two words for it. Kui and kui, spelled in two different ways. <laughs> and, and, and I just want to mention that the one is not plural. Oh, yes. <laughs> the plural is a different word. Kui and kui. Kui and kui. <laughs> and Gosh. you have got to try every type of kui you can get your hands on. Once again, in Malaysia, these little sweet snacks are prepared with so much love and attention to detail. And they're all homemade and you can find them for so cheap at so many street stalls that you can't say no. You just have to try them. It's a real problem because there's such an overwhelming variation of sweets available. It's really problematic. I I, want to say I had to drag Lisa away from many a market just just to keep away from sweets. And the worst is that as you keep moving from region to region, you keep seeing different versions Mm. of it. So it might be something that's green and white. We know it's got some pandang in it and it's going to be coconutty, but it's going to be prepared differently, presented differently based on region as well as time of the year. So depending on what festivity it is, what season it is, they also prepare different types of sweets. And once again, there's this overlap between different sort of cultural styles. 
mean, we even found like, what's that squishy? Maui, Kaui, Jawi. <laughs> it's Mui. called, um, wait, I've got it over here. Mauchi. Mauchi. Mauchi is how they, is the Malaysian yeah, yeah. version of it. Mauchi. Where in Taiwan, Taiwan, it's called mochi. Yeah, but that's more like Chinese it's, style yes. of mochi. And you can even find that, and it's same but different. Different, exactly. Yeah. And I think what we enjoyed there was the Malaysian version, the mauchi. So mm. it's a very sticky, glutinous rice dough, which they chop up into smallish pieces. Pounded, and then eh? they, Don't well, they like the Malaysian it? one, they slap oh, they it, and then they it. chop it up into little yeah. blobs, ah. and then roll it into crushed peanuts and Ooh. sometimes some sesame seeds. So good. So you end up with this crunchy tastiness, but with a soft, gooey, sweet center. Yeah. And it's really very good as a snack. I want to say though, if if you're like obviously Malaysian or Malay typical confectionery is the kui style yes. stuff. I think this more the coconut want, based yeah, yeah. Um, and very padang, the, the green and white coconut uh, milk. That's right. So there's there's a lot of overlap here from neighboring countries like pisang goreng, for example, yes. which very typical. Hey, I must just throw in another little useless fact here. Pisang means banana in Indonesian, Malaysian. And in Afrikaans, Afrikaans, yeah, which, which is a native language to South Africa. So once again, that was an import from uh, actually Indonesia, and Malaysia. Actually, Cape Malaysia brought pizza. It's really quite incredible that food can be so unique and specific to a culture, and yet can spread across the world so far that it can have this uniting influence across the world. Why did we never figure out pisang goreng? I'm not sure. Maybe we could introduce it to South Africa. So it directly translates to banana fried, fried banana, banana. and that's what it is. I think maybe our bananas here are not quite as sweet, and that's Mm. why it hasn't taken off, because in Malaysia, the bananas are typically a little bit smaller and quite sweet. Might be a different type And then they put them into a batter or a dough, and they deep fry them. I must say, though... And they are delicious. In Malaysia, most people will eat fried bananas with something savory, unlike the way we do it. We prefer it with just as it is a sweet snack, but... Fried bananas will we eat with uh, like um, shrimp paste mm. in Malaysia, which is bizarre if you ask me, but that's the way it's done. I think we need to open up a pisang goreng store oh, in Cape gosh. Town. Well, we'll get so fat. We'll just eat all our profits or losses. <laughs> now, we're not going to go into all the kuis and kuis, eh? Or is there no, a few I think you want to mention? You absolutely have to go and watch our video of us trying oh, this, where you can see crazy. us, you can see our facial expressions as we try all these different mm. desserts. And you can see how beautiful they are, how different they look and how different they taste. I think maybe just one or two that I would like to mention is that there is ice kacang, which is literally shaved Uh, ice, which is very common. Bean ice. Not particularly my favorite. (laughs) Beanie ice is what we call it. (laughs) But the version, chendol, or... Uh. Is that, is that how it's pronounced? I think it's, uh, Chen, I think I, I it's Chendol. It's Chendol. I don't Maybe know. someone can help us out here. That sweet ice dessert, I actually quite enjoyed. The only good thing about it is, let's be honest, is the, the coconut milk in there. Yeah. That it's called. <laughs> so it's these green padang jelly noodles <laughs> served with sweet red beans and coconut milk and palm sugar poured over the shaved ice. I will say that, you know, the whole idea of sweet red beans doesn't sound too appealing but it, you know, when you, you taste you, it it's yeah, different if you close your eyes and don't think of them as beans i think after we spend a bit of time in asia you learn that beans don't have to be beans yes <laughs> the way we know them it's not only baked beans guys there's more no, beans there's, than baked beans. well let me choose if i have to eat red beans over shaved ice or baked beans for breakfast Oof. red beans over shaved ice for breakfast hands down <laughs> <laughs> i have to agree and then the other thing that you were mentioning was the martabak manis in oh, indonesia yes. 
So the Malaysian version of that is actually called Apam Balik. Of course. It's got its own name. So they are essentially the same thing. It's a very sweet, I would say like a um, flapjack pancake waffle style dough. That's right. Which has then filled with peanuts. They just fold it over though. They fold it over and it's the syrupy peanut sweetness in paste. Oh, it's just so delicious. I will will go back to and stay a month in Langkawi just to go to Langkawi Night Market once a week to stock up on sweet stuff. (laughs) Absolutely. I think you can put on a five kilos a week. (laughs) That's a dangerous place to be. But anywhere in Malaysia, this is a real problem. You you just got to bound to find this old lady doing amazing things. (laughs) It's like somewhere. (laughs) And there's no no limit to their creativity. Like, for example, in Langkawi Night Market, we found there was a guy who was serving sweet sticky rice like you would normally have with mango yes. but he was doing it with um durian exactly so and it's so different suddenly it just changes the whole flavor profile this is know. the thing you find these things that are same same but different that <laughs> no, that's can be, i know i was gonna say that thing can also apply to <laughs> malaysia um of that there's also obviously your little kaya balls because mm. kaya is enjoyed in everything that you can find from stalls everywhere um, coconut fudge or coconut barfi is what it's called. We are only found in the Penang supermarket. What an unfortunate name. Coconut barfi. <laughs> I think it's because you eat so much. That no, you... <laughs> no, no, no. No, but it's delicious. Uh, and then, of course, you just find so many of these versions of padang and coconut combined desserts. So I'm talking about putu bamboo, which is a steamed coconut ah, yes. pudding rolled Those in the coconut. Tubes. Those are the tubes. Yes. And you can see them being prepared with a little bit of palm sugar that oozes mm. out of them. And then so many others that are slightly more with a jelly consistency. So you mm. have a green layer as well as your white layer of coconuts. And oh man, these things are just too tasty. One of the green balls is called Oh dear, oh dear. And I used to say every time I saw them, oh dear, oh dear, we're going to have some of these. I remember those. Those are the ones that squid if you bite yeah. them. You've got to be careful because they got this little pocket of juiciness inside. But oh, so good. Okay, maybe I should stop talking about sweets. Last one, oh, which is a little bit different, not I'm so sweet. Hungry. And that was also found mostly in Penang, is the slightly more um, like a pastry style dessert. So outer baked pastry and filled with soft sesame and brown sugar in the inside. There's also different variants of it. That's mostly like Chinese once again. I can say the name of these, yes. Those those little, little, yeah, I remember exactly what you mean. Like little dumpling. No, it's more pastry. It's more pastry, like a flaky pastry filled with a nice sweet soft center. And as you would expect, Lisa, immediately found the place where you can get free samples and the factory where they can teach you how to make them yeah and so it was it was in penang where we like every second day we embossed this place and we sampled ourselves silly (laughs) i think we got a bad reputation there that's why we can't go back to penang again oh man well i think we shouldn't because man if we have to try all of these desserts again it's going to be very dangerous okay guys i think we sort of touched on everything malaysian food now i urge you to head over to our website and once again, I'll link it in the show notes to check out some of our other content on Malaysia, as well as our Malaysian food. We've got some articles, some blog posts specifically on sweet dishes, as well as you know, the main dishes we just touched on. So if you want to see what they look like and get a bit of a description. And obviously, if we've convinced you to go to Malaysia to taste all this food, you have to also head over to our, or listen to our other podcast episodes oh on Malaysia. What to see and do in Kuala Lumpur, as well as our travel budget guide 
and the time that we spent in Langkawi. We can have a look at episodes 23 and episodes 42. Yeah, plenty of you to listen to, that's for sure. And of course, we, we mentioned we did a Malaysian sweets tasting video and we also did a video in Penang visiting a night market. Gosh, you can keep yourself entertained. But I think uh, we'll wrap it up here and hopefully everybody's hungry now. <laughs> so I want to just remind you, if you leave us a review or a rating, please send us a screenshot of your review to wewillnomadpod at gmail.com with a question and we'll answer it on our next episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, on our next episode, we'll be talking about Indonesian cuisine. Okay. So thanks very much for listening and hope you're nice and hungry now. I'm going to go eat now. <laughs> We're going to head off to Malaysia. All right, guys. <laughs> thanks for listening. Bye. Goodbye.